Welcome to the Discovery Pod, where we talk to leading experts from the University of Adelaide about solutions to society's most pressing challenges. The gift of life. How do we build healthy habits today to give our children the best start in life? Today, I'm joined by Jodie Dodd, obstetrician and internationally recognised expert on mothers and children's health, and Alison Kerr, Heart Foundation Fellow, investigating pregnancy disorders and health outcomes in children. Good morning. Morning. For the first time in modern history, children in developed countries may not live as long as their parents due to diet-associated health problems like heart disease, strokes and cancers. It's a shocking prediction and one which could be avoided. We continue to discover more about pregnancy and parental health, where are we going wrong and what we can do about it. So Jody, maybe we can start with you. What, what is the relationship between mother's health and children's health? I think we're finding out increasingly that what happens to women uh, prior to pregnancy, but also during pregnancy, has a very, very big impact on the health of their children. Um, and that can be through complications related to pregnancy, so things like hypertension or gestational diabetes, but also more broadly uh, through overweight and obesity and the impact that that can have on, on children. There are very, very clear links between uh, maternal overweight and obesity and their children being at risk of uh, also becoming uh, obesity, uh, obese. And that can occur from very, very early on in life. So we're, we're talking sort of uh, prior to preschool um, that some children are exhibiting behaviours uh, that place them at increased risk of, of child obesity. So um, targeting pregnancy in many ways is a way of, of trying, to, um, trying to improve the health for the women in the first instance, but also improving the longer term health for their children. So it's a kind of proactive uh, health measure that yes. uh, we can all uh, investigate and start to, to Absolutely. undertake. Absolutely, yeah. yes. So Jodie, to investigate some of these issues, you've actually got a large amount of funding from federal sources uh, to conduct large-scale trials. Yes, that's correct. So uh, the LIMIT study, which was our pregnancy intervention study um, involving overweight and obese pregnant women, was funded through uh, the National Health and Medical Research Council. Um, our pre-pregnancy study, which is targeting women prior to conception, has just recently fun been funded by uh, the Medical Research Futures Fund, so the MRFF. Yeah. So tell us a bit more about the, the LIMIT study. What we've, we've attempted to do with the LIMIT study uh, was to try and provide a dietary and lifestyle intervention to help women limit the amount of weight that they gain during pregnancy because there is uh, a lot of literature that suggests that uh, limiting weight gain in pregnancy for women can reduce their chance of things like gestational diabetes and hypertension. So the LIMIT study was conducted in South Australia mm. and recruited uh, 2,200 women uh, to that study. Half of the women were provided with a dietary and lifestyle intervention to help them develop some healthy eating habits and regular physical activity during pregnancy. Um, and the other half received standard antenatal care, which currently doesn't really involve any uh, dietary, any specific dietary recommendations. What we found was that um, there was no difference between the two groups with regards to the amount of weight that women gained during pregnancy. Most women who participated in the study still gained on average around nine kilos um, during, 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 the, during the course of their pregnancy. Yeah. 
Um, we did find a suggestion of uh, a reduction in high infant birth weight and that's been one of the factors that's been linked very, very closely to uh, an increased risk of childhood obesity. So initially that was a very promising finding, um, but what we found when we continued to follow the children at six months, 18 months, three to five years, and now we've started eight to 10 year follow-up, is that there really hasn't been any persistent difference between the two groups with regards to the, the child's risk of obesity. Mm. Around 40% of children in, in both groups um, are at risk of, of overweight or obesity, but um, not, not different because of the pregnancy intervention. And that's actually led us to look in a little bit more detail at the relationship between weight gain in pregnancy and the risk of adverse outcomes for women. Um, and we've actually been able to demonstrate using our, our data from our large studies that it doesn't actually, um, there's, there's no direct relationship between weight gain and pregnancy outcomes, which is, I guess, in some ways, um, uh, breaking that myth. Because I think a lot of women are given a very, um, Know, very strong information mm. uh, about limiting their weight gain during pregnancy, but we've been able to show that that probably is not the, the area that we need to be focusing on. So what, what is the area we should be focusing on? I think the, the area that we're now tackling um, is, is looking at preparing women for pregnancy and actually encouraging women um, and, and families to make healthy choices before conceiving. So we've been successful in, in receiving some grant money from the MRFF uh, and we'll be embarking on a large-scale clinical trial to target women prior to conception. So we're, we're looking at women who are overweight or obese who are planning to fall pregnant in the next sort of two years or so um, and, and providing an intervention to help them lose weight. And we're not talking about um, significant degrees of weight loss. There's literature that shows that even a modest three to five kilo weight loss before conception can have a significant and profound effect in terms of reducing risk of hypertension and gestational diabetes. Yep. So that's our, our, our next area of research. So you're not saying that women can uh, eat, eat what they want during pregnancy, there's still healthy guidelines no, really uh, around that, but, uh, really but there's not the guilt really around uh, uh, weight gain during pregnancy. That's right, I think weight gain has been a very big focus in the past and I think uh, we need to change our focus to, to encouraging people to make healthy diet and lifestyle choices before pregnancy but also during pregnancy. Okay. And Alison, we might come on to an another topic uh, mm -hmm. as well, connected with uh, the pregnancy. It's, uh, it might be slightly delicate, but the, uh, the age of, of women when they fall mm -hmm. pregnant. Yeah, so we know age is the most important factor affecting a woman's fertility. Um, and uh, so essentially, if you're 35 years or over, you're considered advanced maternal age. And what that means is that you might have, it might take a little bit longer to become pregnant, um, but it also increases your risk of um, having certain pregnancy complications. So that includes having an infant that's small for gestational age or developing a pregnancy complication known as preeclampsia, which involves hypertension, uh, other maternal and organ dysfunction or um, fetal growth restriction. Yes, and hypertension is uh, high blood pressure. High blood pressure, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, it is. And so um, I think it's important just for uh, couples to understand, you know, it's not always possible to have a child earlier in life. And so sometimes it's career, education, getting in the way, financial constraints. Um, other times it's not having a partner or the partner not being ready um, to have a child. But I think as long as couples are educated and know what the risks might be of delaying um, having a child, uh, then they can make informed decisions. Yeah. And, and you've been looking at some of these topics uh, 
not in, in humans, but in uh, uh, animal models. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So I, I have um, a rat model of advanced maternal age. And so what we do is we, we take rats and we, we age them to approximately um, the equivalent of a 35-year-old woman. So that's so about... So how old is that in rats? It's about years. nine and a half to <laughs> ten months. Okay, yeah. 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 And yeah. so... Uh, how long then do rats live? Um, probably... <laughs> A couple of years, yeah, depending. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at least um, they live longer when they're housed in our animal facilities than they would <laughs> uh, in the wild. Yeah, so, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, at this point, we find um, they're still fertile, but they have reduced fertility. So around 50% of them will lose their pregnancies. Um, we find that there is fetal growth restriction, and we see other things that are similar to what we see in women. So they, they end up having this larger placenta, which we think is trying to compensate and provide extra nutrients to improve um, fetal growth. And uh, so what I'm quite interested in um, is what is it about advanced maternal age um, that leads to these pregnancy complications? So some of the things I've investigated are the maternal vascular adaptations. So we know in pregnancy, um, a mother's um, blood vessels adapt extensively. And these blood vessels aren't just in the uterus and the developing placenta, but they're systemically altered. And we wondered whether or not there might be some impairments in the ability of these blood vessels to adapt when you've got not just the challenge of pregnancy, but also aging mm. on top of that. Yeah. Mm. And we have indeed found that there is um, some increased stiffness in the arteries of these older rats um, that may be leading to the pregnancy complications that we see. Um, and we've also followed up with the offspring because mm. what we weren't sure is whether or not delaying, we know that certain insults in pregnancy can um, lead to complications for the fetus. So that might be, you know, um, overnutrition, undernutrition, um, those sorts of things. But we didn't know whether maternal age might also be a factor. So what we did is we let um, these rats have their babies and then we had a look at um, these offspring when they were adults and had a look at how their blood vessels were working and how their hearts are working. And what we found is in young adult males from advanced maternal age mothers, they had um, impaired recovery from ischemia reperfusion, so essentially What's a that? heart attack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so if they had a heart attack, they didn't recover as well as male offspring from younger mums. And we also found that when we looked at their blood vessels, that their blood vessels couldn't relax to the same extent. So um, it, your blood vessels need to be able to relax and 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 I. I guess uh, a way of measuring aging is to look at, um, or your cardiovascular disease risk is to look at your ability of your um, blood vessels to relax, and we found that that was impaired in these these male offspring. Yeah, so, so obviously that's a, that's an animal uh, it uh, is, model. Yeah. It's not, not been found in, in humans. No, yet, it so. hasn't been investigated yeah. um, in women. So I guess that. Um, you know, it's not to scare women that are having uh, babies later in life. There's still a lot of research that needs to be done. And rats aren't women. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's still a good model for us to sort of find out what mechanisms, like the good thing about animal studies is you can look at what mechanisms are going wrong in those blood vessels, what pathways are changing. And so then we can take that information and then look at that in women to see if there's um, any clinical relevance. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah and uh, potentially to, to manage uh, that, that, that condition. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And also gives us the opportunity to look at potential treatments. So maybe the treatment is, you know, losing a little bit of weight. So these older rats are a bit heavier than their younger <laughs> counterparts, or maybe it's dietary interventions. And then can you improve not just the maternal outcomes, but the offspring outcomes? And then that can inform um, clinical practice and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. 
And, and what about uh, what about the age of men uh, coming into uh, kind of reproductive age? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's a good point. So it's not just the age of women, but the age of men is also really important. So we know that an older father, even if it is a younger mother, it will increase um, the time to conception, um, and it can also lead to. Um, pregnancy complications. So paternal age is, is really important, but also the, the health of the father as well. We know other factors like um, smoking and drinking and paternal obesity affect the quality of the sperm, um, which then um, can lead to increased time to becoming pregnant, but also um, impaired quality of the pregnancy and impaired fetal development. Yeah. So it's a joint effort, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. exactly. exactly. <laughs> and, and so what, what might be some of the, uh, the practical recommendations to break some of these cycles uh, mm -hmm. that we've seen? Uh, Jodie, what would be your, your recommendations, really? Oh, I, think, I think from a clinical perspective, it's very important um, that people uh, planning pregnancy give themselves the best chance. So I think preparing and preparing early, um, making sure that uh, that they have a healthy diet, that they're exercising and getting some physical activity regularly. And this applies equally to the women and to the men. Um, smoking, reducing smoking, reducing alcohol consumption, all of those those very modifiable changes that we can all make to our, our diet and, and to our lifestyle, I think are very, very important. I think education also needs to start very early on. So I think, um, you know, targeting women when they reach 35 and providing them with that, that level of information is important, but I think we actually need to take a big step back and start thinking about how we educate uh, our younger children. So even starting in primary school, um, educating children around making healthy lifestyle choices so that those choices are very, very well embedded. And then when they become adults and become ready to be, be parents themselves, that their health is actually uh, on track. Yeah. Uh, Alison, any recommendations? Yeah, um, I guess in terms of um, the age that we were talking about, it's not always in your control when you're going to be able to start a family. But um, like Jodie mentioned, if you can have a healthy lifestyle, make those healthy choices, it, it, when you are ready um, to have a family, you'll have the best possible chance um, that you could have. So, yeah. so you mentioned that uh, children born to um, uh, overweight mothers uh, have an increased risk of uh, obesity themselves. Uh, is that just due to pregnancy or there, there are other issues that are at play here? I think it's a really complex, a really complex area. Um, so our studies, our follow-up studies have shown that around 40% of children at three to five years of age who uh, were born to women who were overweight or obese and participated in our studies, uh, that they themselves have a, a BMI above the 85th centile, so already at a very early age on the trajectory um, towards uh, becoming overweight and obese children and subsequently adults. I think it's there's a, a lot of factors potentially that could be contributing in utero, so during pregnancy and during early development, but I think it's actually a very, very complex issue and I think there are a lot of family factors, perhaps um, social factors that are contributing and I think we actually need to be taking a very, very you know, broad population-based uh, approach to this. When we looked in detail at some of the dietary habits of, of the children and some of the physical activity um, that they were doing, most of the children weren't meeting current dietary recommendations for intake of, of vegetables. Uh, they were well over the recommendations with regards to uh, discretionary foods. Most children weren't um, active to the degree that was recommended in, in guidelines and also had vastly increased screen time. So this is being seen in children as young as three to five years of age. So um, you know, we really do need to be thinking about 
ways and, and strategies to tackle um, diet and physical activity in children from a very, very early age. So in terms of uh, students that are potentially uh, thinking of coming to uh, university to, uh, uh, and are interested in these, these types of areas, these would be the types of questions and issues that they would act actively be working on yes. uh, if they were to start. And so it's this integrated nature, I guess, of uh, you know, whole of life healthcare that's the next kind of frontier for work, isn't it? It is, and I think, I think it's taking that, that broad approach, looking at what we're, we're doing uh, with our research studies, but also looking, as Alison has said, looking at mechanistic studies. So we've collected a lot of biosamples um, for women who've, and their children who've participated in, these, participated in our studies. So being able to look in a little bit more detail about how they relate to some of the clinical outcomes, I think will be um, you know, important information to gain in the future that will allow us to perhaps target different uh, different pathways and different mechanisms. So you've got some other large studies planned <laughs> for the future around these issues? <laughs> we, we certainly have the ongoing... Subject to funding, of course. Subject to funding, yeah, of course. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have our pre-pregnancy study, which is, is going to be a, a large study where we're uh, recruiting, aiming to recruit around 1,300 uh, women who are planning pregnancy. We still have a lot of information available from um, three of our pregnancy-related studies where we have stored biosamples uh, looking at uh, cardiometabolic pathways, also looking at gene changes and epigenetic modifications. So a lot of information to sift through over the next little while. <laughs> Something to keep you busy. It will keep me busy, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the whole team as and well. The team, yeah, that's yes. right. <laughs> and uh, Alison, I think uh, we also uh, touched on uh, some of the issues around, um, you know, older, older parents, but uh, uh, also the issues around the, the care aspects uh, with, with, with those situations. Yeah, yeah. So I guess um, one of the things to keep in mind if um, a woman or a couple do find themselves having a pregnancy later in life is that um, there is evidence to suggest that um, that woman or couple tend to have a greater resources to invest in that child and so um, a bit more settled and bit uh, more settled, bought the house maybe yeah, yeah maybe yeah, stable yeah, jobs yeah, those sorts yeah. of things they have access to you know tutors and those sort of additional things to help out their children with their education and so what what has been found so far is that the outcomes for children that are born to older mothers in terms of their um, development and their um, you know intellectual development and that sort of thing is that they're, they're fine, like they, they, they do well. So. Yeah, because of that support, that nurture. Exactly. Uh, nature versus nurture yes. uh, issues. Yeah. yeah. And uh, in your area, what, what are the horizons for, for future research and investigation? Yeah, so... More, more rat models or are you moving...? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I will continue with my animal work to sort of look at mechanisms, but um, I'm also really interested in looking at clinical tissues from women um, during their pregnancies to then look at the particular mechanisms that I've identified in these animal models to see, you know, whether or not they're relevant in, you know, human blood vessels, for example. And um, and I think that's really important in as a way of um, identifying potential therapeutic targets that can then lead to the, the development of, of therapies to try and um, prevent and um, maybe um, ameliorate some of these um, pregnancy complications. So. So with that ageing and uh, the, the hardne hardening of arteries then, mm -hmm. that naturally happens, I guess, with age, but it's also diet related, isn't it? Yes. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot we could probably do around diet as well to uh, make our arteries in better health. Yes. Uh, and that, that ties into yeah. some of the, uh, the health issues you've been investigating. Exactly, and it yeah. ties in very much to Jodie's work that she's doing in the clinic, so. Yep. Yeah. 
So uh, healthy diet, healthy lifestyle, yeah. uh, whole of life approach. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jody and Alison, thanks very much for joining us uh, on the Discovery Pod. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Discovery Pod, brought to you by the University of Adelaide. Join us next time when we discuss renewable energies.